I'm Avery Arden, and you're listening to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi-faith podcast of transgender stories. After a week off, I'm back with another interview from within the movement to stop Cop City, the enormous hyper-militarized police training facility currently scheduled for construction here in Atlanta, Georgia. While clearing of the Walani Forest is currently underway, forest defenders have not given up. For instance, I want to tell you about a new movement space being proposed and sponsored by Fight for Our Future Georgia. The group's focus will be on nonviolent strategies akin to those of Martin Luther King Jr. I'll read straight from their movement proposal page, which says, Unfortunately, there are many organizations, communities, and individuals across the state of Georgia that have either recently quieted down or completely stayed on the sidelines of the Stop Cop City movement. After speaking with many of them, we believe there are many reasons for this. In particular, we know that law enforcement's brutal actions and repressive domestic terrorism charges with the backing of mainstream media have crafted false narratives to scare the public from aligning with those resisting Cop City. A mass public nonviolent demonstration effort could be effective in mobilizing those on the sidelines by meeting them where they are at and focusing on tactics and messaging that will move them into taking action. In order to do this, we would like to begin working toward a June mass mobilization that would be enveloped in Kingian nonviolence. We recognize that many forest defenders, allied people, and groups have already done the hard work and made sacrifices in building the Stop Cop City movement that has gained national and international recognition. This collective is not a criticism on how the movement has conducted itself up to this point. We believe that this additional lane of movement activity will help create greater support for the existing movement and help bring us all closer to defeating Cop City once and for all. I highly recommend checking this new group out to help you get more involved in the Stop Cop City movement. See the episode notes for a link. As we look to the movement's future, it does us good to look also to the movement's past to remind us what we're fighting for and what strategies we can use for doing so. Today's guest, who goes by the forest name Shining Oak, has been partaking in Stop Cop City events since early 2021. She, like myself and everyone I've spoken to for this series, expresses gratitude for how the movement has enriched her. How in joining in the struggle to defend Wolani Forest, we also experience the incredible nourishment that the forest offers each of us. As one rock in the forest has been painted to proclaim, the trees love you, love them. Let's get into my conversation with Shining Oak from back in March. I'm a college student. I identify as queer, either bisexual or pansexual, but I feel like queer kind of encompasses all of that better for me. I am a cisgender white Jewish woman. Um, My family is all Jewish. I grew up that way my entire life. Um, Not super religious, but I'm into kind of trying to look back into ancestry and get more involved with spirituality and everything. 
I feel like a lot of the time when I was growing up, it was like very much assimilation into like the kind of white Christian culture around me. But mm, then I had yeah. like my own family where I kind of shared those values. But um, I feel like more in the past couple of years, I've seen more of like Jewish kind of liberation. And I've seen a lot of like abolitionists who are Jewish and like more like queer inclusivity, which I, I didn't really know as much when I was growing up, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have multiple friends who are have either uh, finished converting or have begun converting to Judaism mm-hmm. be- because they have found um, Jewish spaces where they feel fully welcomed as trans folks, um, yeah. which I think is just so beautiful. It makes me so happy that mm-hmm. there is that space for queer folks. <laughs> That's great. So when it comes to the movement to defend the Atlanta forest, mm-hmm. how how did you first find out about it and what moved you to get involved? Um, honestly, I can't remember how I first exactly heard about it, but it was like right, I want to say it was like right at the beginning of the movement, like probably spring 2021, when I went to the first event or one of the first events that I went to that was happening there. Um, And I just remember talking with one of the forest defenders and they were kind of telling me like what was going on and everything. Um, I had gone with one of my coworkers actually. and we were both kind of just like listening. We were getting to listen to music and everything. And we just heard, we learned about what was happening uh, with Black Hall Studios and then with the APF. Um, and I just wanted to be more involved because it's just such a large like span of issues. Um, mm-hmm. And we heard about the hundreds of acres that would be taken down. Um, We got to explore the forest and it was beautiful. We saw so many fireflies and got (laughs) to hear all the crickets and got to see the stream and it was just so lovely. Um, And that really just made me want to be a larger part of it. Um, Oh, we also, this is a, (laughs) this kind of a fond memory. Um, We got to eat from one of the service berry trees in the parking lot and the berries are so delicious and I just wanted to get to forage more in there and just learn more about the ecosystem and everything too and defend it and so then I think when summer came around and there was the first week of action um, I was in the group chat at that point because the person I had met who first told me about what was going on they had put me in the group chat and then I got to learn about people planning the week of action And I was out of town at the time, but I started organizing with some other people just like via the internet and texting and everything. Um, But we planned, um, the event was called Critter Crafts and Forest Frolics. (laughs) 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 I don't know how long you've been involved with it, but it was like during the first week of action. Mm -hmm. And it was a all day long kids and families arts and crafts day event. And so we just like made masks, um, like animal masks, and we got some inspiration from Princess Mononoke. Um, Yeah, and basically just like trying to draw in that aspect of like the forest spirits and 
land defending and everything like that. Um, I remember there yeah. was um, <laughs> there was like an ecological clown that came. <laughs> like Whoa. they were very, yeah, it was cool. Um, they were like very focused on like getting kids um, interested in the environment, and so that was really fun. And there was music and crafts and everything. It was great. Uh, we did that at the RC field. Um, and then throughout that week, I really just kept going to the other events. There were so many great things like talking about like foraging and native resistance to the project and trying to bring in more diversity and just a lot of great things going on. So I just really fell in love with the movement at that point. And it's a little harder to be involved now that I'm in school because that was over the summer and I was actually living at home, but now I'm outside of Atlanta. So I'm trying to keep up, but it's a little harder. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. That That is <laughs> the idea of the clown. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's it's also very cool. Um, I'm very newly involved in the movement. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really cool to hear about um, what it was like uh, back back at the start um, yeah how it's so much bigger <laughs> that's what I was gonna ask is like how many people were involved at that first week of action I don't know honestly um there were still a lot of people that were involved like it had a really great turnout and we weren't sure how many people would come for the family day mm -hmm. and I can't remember there being more than maybe like 10 families but a lot of adults came so that was still really fun <laughs> like yeah. a lot of people who were already involved with the movement came um some of my friends who had never heard of the movement I told them about it and they came but honestly I I can't remember the exact numbers but I feel like I've looked at some of my pictures from back then and I've looked at like I think I had a couple like screenshots from like planning it and everything on my phone and I I passed through them the other day and it was just crazy like um I don't know like kind of how people had like their actual name in the chat like people didn't really have <laughs> names and things like that um, uh -huh. so there's been a lot of changes um but I think it's definitely been for the better like I love how great and big the movement has grown I'm just trying to think of a number but I don't know maybe like 50 or so people kind of dropped in and out of the mm -hmm. event it was all day so I guess whoever was coming right. to the park for other events that were also going on that day would stop by and then go to the other one because mm -hmm. there was different music circles happening like throughout the day or workshops things like that yeah I mean even now I feel like trying to name an exact number of forest defenders people mm -hmm. involved whether heavily involved or just kind of you know stop by every now and then is really yeah. difficult because unlike what some of our sort of opponents suggest we are not like super organized we yeah. are we are very grassroots and like very loosely connected so mm -hmm. knowing the numbers um and it it might be a good thing that it's sort of nebulous um mm -hmm. um I don't know if you were paying attention to the chat last night. I mean, with, with what is going on this week, um, mm -hmm. that clearing 
of the forest has, it seems like it's begun um, mm -hmm. near the old prison camp. And yeah. I wasn't able to make it, but it sounds like at first um, someone said like maybe 30 people showed up near the Capitol to protest. And so, someone else was like, I think it was more than 30. I think it was like 60 at the highest point. Um, yeah. Just <laughs> keeping track of numbers is difficult. but mm -hmm. For sure. But anywhere from 30 to 60, to me, sounds like a pretty good turnout for something that was so sudden, you know, like mm -hmm. the, and, and I think it started at five. And so a lot of folks are still at work. Like, yeah. to me, like the fact that that number showed up for something so sort of spontaneous like I really have I do still have hope even as scary as things are getting this week with the clearing actually beginning like I, I feel like folks are still showing up to stuff and I think the news is spreading wider slowly but surely like outside mm -hmm. of Atlanta people are paying attention so yeah yeah there's been so much going on and other states and cities and even other countries like having right. their own little um coalition of stop cop city in like canada or like oh in, yeah anywhere it's so cool it's great but i agree i think that there's a lot of hope and i think that it is such a strong movement with so many people supporting it even though like of course there are people opposing it and it sometimes feels like that can be a lot more overwhelming but i think that there is more support on our side. And I think that mm -hmm. with how incredibly people are able to plan and throw something together that's so like beautiful is just a really important thing for a movement because throughout the couple of years I've been involved with it when I've been able to stop at home in Atlanta and there happens to be a week of action while I'm there. And there's just growth with like music festivals and mm -hmm art making and like medicinal workshops and Muskogee traditional practices. It's just beautiful. And this kind of ties into the part with my experience as a Jewish person in the movement. I was able to go to one of the Shabbat services in the forest mm -hmm. and it was just so much better than anything I had ever experienced in organized religion. Mm -hmm. Like it we got to sing Mingoons, um, which are like traditional Jewish songs. Um, and we got to just be around each other at night. And I had never been around people like that in any Jewish spaces who are just very, honestly, just a very queer space and very, yeah. like, <laughs> and very um, active and like wanting to be part of activism, really. Um, and so that was really important to me because there's a lot of diversity in the movement not just with Jewish identities but with so many others mm -hmm. and I think that that is so important for a movement because it just brings so many different people with so many different backgrounds and experiences and things that they can bring to the table forward and that's what any social movement needs and I really think that this one it's so strong and I think that it does have the ability to win. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree about how the diversity plays into it. And, and like you mentioned, it is a very queer space, yeah. um, which <laughs> I mean, to me isn't surprising, but if you have any thoughts on why is it that um, 
a movement like this would draw so many queer folks? Yeah, um, well, for one, like in environmental history, queer people have kind of been pushed to the side and like mainstream sort of ideologies. Like it's, <laughs> there's this um, drag queen, Patty Gonia. I'm not sure if you've heard of her, but she um, kind of advocates for queer people to be out in nature. And I love it so much. But um, yeah, so she talks about how like historically queer people have kind of been pushed to the side in environmental spaces, even though they have been the ones for years um, advocating for environmental justice mm -hmm. and everything. And um, women and queer people, especially because the environment has faced so much oppression, just like queer people have. Um, and I think that that is an inviting space because queerness is a very natural thing. It occurs in nature. Um, it's everywhere. And I think that queer people organizing together is a really important part of environmental and social movements. Um, but I think kind of in history, when you look at environmental, like mainstream environmental movements, well, not movements, but I guess legislation is really what I mean to say. Um, it's a lot of the times very like white and straight. And a lot of times it's just like men, um, mm -hmm. like white, cisgender, straight men. Um, and I think that when you really look at where all these protests started, you see so many queer people, you see so many BIPOC individuals. I mean, you see indigenous leaders mm -hmm. saying that we need conservation or reform like so long ago. And it, it's just sad that it's been caught on like more mainstream in more recent years. But I think that queer people and um, BIPOC individuals have been saying this for so long. And so it's no surprise, like you said, that queer people are at the forefront of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head about sort of the reasons why. <laughs> um, and I mean, something that I have found really uplifting about getting to know the movement and getting to interview different folks in the past couple of weeks is learning about um, like, for instance, I talked to a two-spirit individual last week mm -hmm. um, who discussed how they were invited in in order to facilitate conflict resolution discussions and stuff like that. Um, the, the, the invitation to two-spirit folks to come in and, and be centered in the movement, I think, is so important, especially, mm -hmm. like, when we remember that this is Muskogee land and this is, you know, this is land that has been stolen and abused for centuries like mm -hmm. it is so important and it, it that's to me one of the biggest like sources of like okay this movement can succeed is because mm -hmm. the folks involved are working to center the right people yeah um, including queer folks like mm -hmm. that it's it's not there's not like one charismatic white man leading the charge at all, you know? <laughs> no, it's so awesome, that, which is something I love about it so much. Mm -hmm. It's so many different people, just everybody has the same power. And it's like, if you have an idea to go do something, okay, like let's plan it and make it happen. Nobody has any more power than anyone else. And yeah. it's a really important thing, honestly. I think it's worked out mm -hmm. very well. Um. To, to move back into 
the faith aspect. I would, um, is there anything else you want to say about the Shabbat service you attended? Because um, I'm just, I'm, I love that that happened, like that space is being made for different religious and spiritual experiences within the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, I'm happy to share. It was really the most beautiful experience I've ever had with Judaism. Um, I got to talk with other people who were involved with the movement who I had no idea shared the same background as me. Like, well, mm-hmm. a lot of them I didn't know already, but I was able to connect with them because of that and mm-hmm. because of other reasons too. But it was just, it was a really nice thing to be able to have that same background and identity. But um, I got to have um, some vegan challah. I don't know if you've ever had challah, but it's like, yes. Um, Oh, it's so good. It's mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> but I haven't had it in so many years because mm. I'm vegan and it has eggs in it. And um, I just haven't gotten around to making my own, but someone brought one. Or they brought, I think they brought like two or maybe three to share with oh, the entire wow. circle. And there are probably at least like 15 people sitting in mm-hmm. this big circle. And <laughs> throughout the course of the night it just kept kind of getting bigger and bigger like even with people who weren't <laughs> Jewish they just wanted to be a part of it and mm-hmm. kind of learn about the um, traditions and everything but um, yeah so it was a typical Shabbat service but it was in the forest and it was magical <laughs> um, we got to light candles um, and from what I remember I think we were like saying some of the traditional prayers or traditional songs um, and passing around the challah for everyone to eat from, and it was great. And so we did that for a while, kind of until it got dark. And then a group of us branched off to go sit in a different circle when everybody else kind of dispersed. And we just kept going. And there were probably maybe six or seven of us. It was much smaller, but um, it was very personal. We there was one person who had more experience with leading Jewish circles and everything. And they were um, leading us in Ningun's and they were teaching us some traditional songs for people who didn't know it. Or for, for me, I recognized a couple of the songs, but I just had to be reminded of them. Um, And so that was really nice because I could connect with people in that way. Um, And it was dark and it was beautiful. Um, outside and everything and I'm a very um, like nature-based person like I I love ecology I love nature so much Um, Mm -hmm. and so that was a really important part for me for that to be included and I've just never really experienced that in the way that I've grown up with Judaism like I've seen it in holidays and things like that with um, uh, with Tubishvat or with Sukkot, but just experiencing it on a regular Friday night, just being in the forest with people I don't really know, but we're, we have this beautiful connection that we're able to experience together. That was a really important and special thing to me. But yeah, we just kept going probably for at least an hour, maybe two hours or so. Um, it got pretty late. And <laughs> yeah, so I just remember getting to talk with the people in that circle. And it was really great because I, I'm like I said, I've never known any other Jewish people 
who practice in that way. So Thank it was you. just beautiful. And I went by myself too. So it was cool getting to know people on a more personal aspect. Oh man, I'm that makes me so happy for you. Oh, thank you <laughs> um, so much. Especially the fact that they had the vegan challah there. Like yeah. <laughs> that stuff that stuff is good. And also <laughs> in in any sort of like spiritual service when when food is shared, like a meal is shared, like you want to make sure that everyone's able to partake in some way or another. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like, it makes me so happy that they had options that made it accessible. In yeah, that way. definitely. And it was really sweet, actually, because the forest defender who had brought the challah, um, their mom came too. And so their mom was like helping pass oh. out the challah. And it was so sweet. <laughs> um, I just loved seeing that so much. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so for you, like from what you've said, Judaism and activism sort of go hand in hand. Would you want to talk more about your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, Growing up in Judaism, I have never kind of witnessed like the very Christian values of like othering I guess um like (laughs) I in Hebrew school there was I remember there was some kind of workshop or something that was like about liberating the LGBTQ plus community like um kind of involving more voices into that space and like I did see that in Hebrew school one day and that was really great um that's awesome yeah it was really wonderful um But I think other than that, um, I never, I'm not sure if I really sought it out just because I've never been very like religious. I kind of, I feel like because I grew up in a very um, white Christian area, Mm -hmm. um, like suburbs, (laughs) um, I think that kind of made me a little resentful of my Judaism. And I kind of wanted to blend in more, which now I am. I've very much worked out of that. That's been a bit of a process, like mm-hmm. looking past that. But um, but yeah, so I think working past that is where I've seen more of the activism in Judy in Jewish spaces, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of what drew me back into Judaism, but also like the mystical sides of it, because I've been trying to learn more of that too. But um, mm-hmm. Jewish magic and everything but um yeah so I think I had resented it for a while um even though like I would practice with my family just like with certain holidays and stuff or there'd be like little traditions and things but I feel like I kind of resented it a little bit for a while um and I think when I started coming back into it is when I saw more of the activism that actually is happening Um, and when I saw things like mysticism and that was probably, probably like sometime after I graduated high school. So I'm a junior in college right now. So at least like three years ago or so, Mm -hmm. um, is when I actually started feeling more connected with Judaism. Um, not that Judaism ever was oppressive in any way, but I think that the way I viewed it was very much 
within the confines of organized religion. And my understanding of organized religion was this kind of like whitewashed Judeo-Christian sort of thing when in actuality, mm-hmm. like Judeo-Christian doesn't actually exist. Like they're very different right. practices and religions. Yes. Well, yeah. I think that my understanding was very much like grouping those together, but they're not mm-hmm. actually that way. And I think when I learned that, is when my view has changed a lot and when I actually feel connected with it. Um, But yeah, I think now that I've learned more, a little bit about Jewish people throughout history who worked to help other people and help social movements and everything, um, Mm -hmm. that's been more of a connection for me. So I think that bringing in like spirituality and magic and myth in with activism that's been really important and special and I just I I don't think I really understood it or sought it out when I was younger like even when I was in high school because everybody around me was Christian and white and I had some Jewish friends but I think that they have also resented it too um just because of assimilation and everything along those lines yeah I mean, it's it's so hard to be part of the othered group or the the, mm-hmm. the minoritized group. And like, I don't know about you, but for me, like what opened my mind to like realizing that actually being being part of the othered group can be such a gift is realizing that I was queer. Um, that was for me, like my first bit of my identity that sort of broke me open to understanding that liberation comes from the margins like yeah, <laughs> I don't know like for you yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think for a long time I just thought I was a very strong ally yeah <laughs> <laughs> I realized it was oh more than that but um yes yes that, the, that the overly invested ally <laughs> to actually queer pipeline <laughs> yeah but um I think that that does definitely play a role in my Judaism. Like, honestly, I'm not sure that I would, I would start to have feel um, connected with Judaism like a few years ago when it happened again, um, if I was not queer, because I was seeing like so much overlap and so much inclusivity and like advocacy and everything within the queer Jewish community and that was something I was really drawn to and I thought like oh this does actually have a really like strong space and that I do feel connected in this way. That's awesome yeah. Mm -hmm. So we've gotten to talk about the forest and faith and queerness is there is there anything that we haven't got to that you definitely want to talk about um yeah um I think the last thing I went to was actually that Shabbat in the forest because that was the last time I was there during a week of action Mm -hmm. um but I think it's just as important to advocate for it Mm -hmm. um whether you're on the front lines or whether you're just able to do so through like social media or messaging politicians doing phone zaps and email zaps and everything Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm actually the president of the environmental club at my school. And so, oh, nice. yeah, so we have some plans to try to get more of the Stop Crop City, um, activities as part of the organization. Um, and so 
my thoughts are like putting up some flyers around town. Um, we're creating some social media posts about it right now. Um, and just kind of informing people more about it. Um, we did have a zine making event last spring, I think. Um, and I was thinking we could distribute some of those around town and then also some of the Stop Cop City zines and flyers. And I would love to do letter writing and things like that. So that's something that I am trying to focus on, like at the current space that I'm at. And I think that if everybody can just do something that is feasible for where they are currently in their life and currently like in their headspace mm -hmm. and everything, then that is how we're going to be able to move forward because it is a movement that needs like all hands on deck. It needs all kinds of help yes. and it needs all kinds of people who are advocating for it because it really encompasses so much. Like it encompasses mm -hmm. police brutality and environmental racism and the climate crisis and indigenous rights and so much more mm -hmm. and it really needs everybody to be pushing it forward and I think this week with the clear cutting it's been really lovely to see people still in the movement still so hopeful and like mm -hmm. um, one of the forest defenders um, who I'm friends with who actually helped me plan that first event that I was talking about um, uh -huh. they and some other comrades they put up flowers like all around the barricades that the cops yes. put up yes. and that yes. was so lovely to see because I think that it shows a lot of hope and I think that it shows so much solidarity too within the movement um, mm -hmm. and it's like they're trying to make us lose but we know that we're gonna win and I yes. think that is so great. And I think knowing that people went out to the city hall and knowing that people are still mm -hmm. pushing. Um, and I think it's gotten stronger since Tortuguito was murdered too, because there's a lot more, well, there already was a lot of solidarity, but I think that it's gotten bigger since yeah. then because people are seeing how bad the situation is and how much better it needs to be mm -hmm. and um so I've been trying to keep up as much as I possibly can um and I think that if everybody can do their little part then I think yes. that that it's what's going to help us win yeah amen I was at a trans march yesterday and mm -hmm. while we were chanting about trans liberation we also chanted for Tortuguita like it was oh, nice. yeah like just Tortuguita really embodies all of or so many of the intersections mm -hmm. at the heart of the movement to defend the yeah. forest yeah. and their death should not have happened but the way that that everyone has rallied around that and kept tort at the heart of the movement and mm -hmm. like that we're not letting their memory fade like I just have so much love for everyone involved um mm -hmm. and the the love that everyone is showing to Tortuguita mm -hmm. and their family and yeah we we need to stop Cop City for so many reasons but for me just in memory of Tortuguita is, is it, we've, we we will we will stop it because yeah. we must yeah 
Absolutely. Yeah. Pop City will never be built. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I completely agree. I think that, and I didn't know Tortuguita, but um, I know a lot of people in the movement did, of course. Um, mm -hmm. And it, I know that they were a very strong part of the movement um, and allowed it to be where it's at. And I think that it's so important that we continue to honor their memory too. Yes, yes. Many thanks to Shining Oak for her story. I have loved getting to hear her experience of how the forest she loves, loves her back. Not only has her time as a forest defender enriched her faith life, but she also wanted me to add that someone who helped her plan the Critter Crafts and Forest Frolics event back in 2021 is her partner now. Organizing together really helped strengthen their bond, she says, and they told each other how they felt that same night. I just think that is so freaking cute. Walani Forest says queer rights, queer love, and I love it. Before closing, I want to share the story of another Jewish person who had a powerful faith experience while defending Walani Forest. Rabbi Nate DeGroot published an article for the Atlanta Community Press Collective about his participation in this past March's Week of Action. He describes how a fun first day in the forest soured into fear, as dozens of police in SWAT gear with armored vehicles at their rear lined up and pointed their guns at unarmed concert goers. The group and the majority of concert goers were, after much fear and uncertainty, allowed to leave, though around 35 were detained, with much tasing and tackling and tear gas involved. DeGroote spent the night at a friend's house, wondering whether Purim celebrations in the forest would proceed as scheduled the next day. Purim, DeGroote describes, is a Jewish holiday celebrating the story of Esther and her uncle Mordecai in ancient Persia, who foiled a sinister plot by the political and military elite to carry out a genocide on the Jewish people. DeGroote notes how this story about an underdog people defending themselves and upturning violent power structures can easily be connected to the fight to defend Walani Forest. And thus, it was decided that the Purim celebration in the forest would go on, despite the police violence the night before. I'll read now from DeGroote's article about how that Purim night went. As we pulled into Walani People's Park, I could feel my body start to tense. When we parked, I had the proverbial pit in my stomach, equal parts excitement, conviction, and fear. The parking lot was far more sparse that night than it had been the day before. Some of the welcome and informational tent structures had been taken down. Some didn't look quite as sturdy anymore. The parking lot as a whole looked like a place that had taken a beating. Despite this, and despite what had happened the night before, there were still people there to greet us. Still warm smiles, still people arriving to set up camp, still an air of hopefulness. From a few different directions, over a handful of minutes, people dressed in costume, fabulous, colorful, and playful, as is the custom on Purim, came striding towards where I was standing. 
Before long, we were maybe 60 people sitting around a campfire in the woods, celebrating Purim, sharing food and wine and laughs. We told the Purim story, which is a primary commandment we fill on the holiday, in an unorthodox, crowdsourced kind of way. Instead of reading the Book of Esther verbatim, whoever felt called contributed elements of the story that they remembered. Befitting Purim's essence, there was space for great farce and hilarity, hyperbole and hysterics. A telling of the Purim story as rich and true to character as any I've heard before. Woven into the retelling, we talked about how the Purim story related to the story of Cop City and compared the key characters in both. There was also thoughtful conversation and reflection considering the shadow sides of the Purim story and of our own collective aspirations for liberation. As the storytelling part of the night came to an end, someone next to me reflected aloud, wow, I didn't even know just how badly I needed this tonight. There were many nods of agreement and affirmation around the circle, including from me. There was something about that evening, around the campfire, listening and contributing to the Purim story that just felt so right, so freeing, so true. It was remarkable and affirming to be part of a group celebrating, sanctifying, and honoring the joy and hope that comes from telling a story about the possibility of a new paradigm, a new way of relating, a new future while living out that very story. Back in the park a few hours earlier, it suddenly occurred to me, through my eager, earnest, and anxious nerves, that showing up for the Purim celebration at the Walani Forest on the heels of the police raid the night before was precisely the point of the Purim story. I was not, of course, facing genocide like the protagonists of the story, and I am certainly no hero or singularly important figure in the story of the forest protectors. But like Mordecai and Esther in the ancient story, and in my own tiny little way as it pertains to the Walani Forest, I was standing up for what I believe to be morally right. I was challenging, through simply celebrating my religious tradition in a beautiful forest with others, the apparatus of the state. I was seeking to help overturn the powerful structures that allow the state to act with immense and unceasing violence on every level of society with near total impunity, while those who protest that violence are the ones labeled violent. I, like Mordecai, was unwilling to bow before the symbols of military hubris, callousness, and evil. And I, like Esther, was trying to make the very most of the moment, allowing myself to believe that perhaps I, and we, were born for such a time as this. I'm grateful to Rabbi DeGroote for sharing his story, and Shining Oak for sharing hers. I am thankful to the Forest Defenders for cultivating spaces where spirituality and activism and queerness can all nourish each other. I look forward to sharing another Forest Defender story with y'all next week. In the meantime, please consider donating to the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, which helps bail out protesters who have been arrested, and consider checking out the link in the show notes to the new nonviolence-focused movement space that is being created. Only together can we stop Cop City and save the Walani Forest. So get out there, defend the forest, and be a blessing to the world with your life.